Um, the translation which Kenny read from, uh, the, there was one word different that I, I want to make sure that you understand where or why I chose uh, Matthew 25, uh, verse 23. Depending on the translation, instead of the happiness of your master, uh, your translation, I hope he says the word joy. The joy of your master. Because that's, it's, it's three little words. Three little letters, I'm sorry. Three little letters. But they are so important if you're going to have a successful walk with Christ. Because joy, I, I, I said let joy break through as the title of this. It's going to be a Bible study, so don't put your Bibles away. You're going to need them. We're going to be flip, flip, flipping. And that's not Tark and whatever his wife's name is on the HGTV channel where they flip houses. We're going to be flipping back and forth in God's word. Let joy break through is what I chose. Um, I ran across a statement in my research for this and, and my preparation, and it was just one sentence, and it was from uh, Billy Sunday, who I don't know, some of you may have never heard of Billy Sunday. He was one of the great evangelists of the early part of the 1900s. He'd been a baseball player, came to know the Lord, left, he was a very successful baseball player, and he left baseball to preach God's word. And he's credited with the tent revival. He, he had a tent and the sawdust trail where they would put down sawdust to keep the bugs away. And, and Billy Sunday said, what is the key to being a, a successful Christian, that he'd been asked that. Four words, he said. Joy is not optional. Joy is not optional. Now, <clears throat> joy is a gift that we get when we join the family, right? Amen. Everybody knows where that is. It's in Galatians chapter 5. It's part of the what kind of basket that we get. Fruit basket. You get a big old fruit basket. It's got a lot of stuff in it. It's got love, peace, patience. I always look for that fruit. That's <laughs> my favorite. I'm a patron. But joy comes in that basket. It's a gift. Now, without a doubt, except maybe Reagan, because Reagan's young, maybe these other, this young lady here, You've gotten a gift at some time in your life that you, you said, oh, thank you so much. That's wonderful. Thank you. I'm really going to appreciate that. And you go home and you're like, what am I going to do with this? And you tried to give it away to somebody else. You re-gifted it. Oh, come on. Sure, you've done it. But you know what God says? Don't give my gifts away. Don't try to give them. Use them. Joy is not optional. How do you know? Well, if you go back to what David said in Psalm, does anybody still have their finger in the Psalm? It was, I didn't bring my bulletin up. What was it again? 98.4. Shout! Joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice, and sing praises. If you feel like it and if you're having a good day, and nobody licked the red off your candy yesterday, 
Shout to the Lord and praise him joyfully. Is that what your translation says? In the Hebrew, the way sentences were constructed made a lot of impact on how you were to understand the words. Now, when you were learning English back probably in fourth, fifth grade where they started teaching you a little bit about grammar, there's a noun and then there's a verb, right? And the verb talks about something the noun is doing. The dog ran. And what always seemed to come first in those sentences? The thing, right? The dog, the house was painted red. The noun always came first. In Hebrew, if the verb comes first, it is a command. Everybody understand what the word command is? I know you men who have been in the military know what a command is. Those parents who have had a two-year-old know what a command is. What's a command? It's not optional, right? You do it. Or there are going to be consequences, right? If that's the implication. So David says, shout joyfully unto the Lord. You don't get a choice. He expects it. Not if you feel good. I went to college back in the early 70s when there was a wonderful organization, and I'm not even sure, and I'm kind of embarrassed because I don't know this, Campus Crusade for Christ. Anybody ever heard of Campus Crusade for Christ? It was a very powerful movement. And I got to go to a lot of their meetings and a lot of their things on, on campus where I was going to school. And they, they have a little pamphlet to get to know them. That they give, even if you've been there 17 times, you get this, it's a little two-sided slip of paper, and it tells just who they are, what their mission is, what they're trying to achieve, and then contact information for your, the local chapter. And here's what that, and I still have one. I, the reason I know that is because I'm going through boxing now throwing away old stuff. And the, 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 sentence, the first sentence says this. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And I remembered that. Now, if you, when you're talking about balance and things like this, you know, if this is true, for darkness there must be light, for quiet there must be loud, for right there must be wrong. Everything has to. So what's the, what's the flip side of this statement? God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Do you know there's, a, there's another statement that you change two words? Actually, it's three, actually. Satan hates you and has a horrible plan for your life. God loves you and has a wonderful plan. Satan hates you and has a horrible plan. But both of the plans are exactly the same. They're exactly the same. God has a plan, Satan has a plan. Okay. God loves you. Satan hates you. 
They both want you to end up with them. You ever thought about that? What is God's ultimate plan for us? That we share eternity with him. Does that not... wrong with us, guess who's responsible for it? We are. Joy in the New Testament is a word, perison, P-E-R-R-I-S-O-N. And the, the, the term that is used, perison, for joy is an emotion that is bigger than you can imagine. It's like Buzz Lightyear, to infinity and beyond. It's more, it's not just joy, like, I, I see these two beautiful, beautiful young, young ones here in this back room. They're so beautiful and so cute. And that just fills me with a joy to see them here. Thank you for bringing them. Makes me happy. But it's more than that. It's a joy that's so much bigger than that because the joy that we talk about when this word is used in, in scripture, I can't contain it with inside me because it's bigger than me. It's bigger than my soul. It's bigger than anything I can imagine. And that's the joy 
that God wants us to have. Now, just so you'll know, Jesus wants you to flourish. He wants you to flourish. He wants me to flourish. He delights in blessing me. When I was getting ready to work on this message, and I've, I've known for a number of weeks I was going to be doing it, I most of you have seen, you know, I, I put up some really neatly typed out pages up here. That it's really nice and neat. And I want you to just kind of, if you can see, it's just scribbling all over. Because I had to struggle with this. Because I, I was going through a really, really, really difficult time about being upset with what was going on with me. I'm facing surgery, I know on this hand, and probably on this hand after this one gets healed up. I make my living with my fingers. I'm scared. I'm scared. I know that it's, it's outpatient surgery now, and it's in and out, and hoop-de-doo, and everybody gets it. But I make my living with these ten attachments to my hand. And I'm scared. And why should I have to have, be going through this? And other things. Just other things that seem to just land on me all at one time. And I'm going to talk about joy. Well, I started in the Old Testament, which is a good place to start, when you want to see if God is consistent from beginning to end in what he's told us. Now, if you want to look, you can. You're going to go way back to Deuteronomy, which is the fifth book of the Bible. It's a history book. I loved history in school. That was one of my best subjects. A lot of people don't like history, but I love history. And this is talking about the Israelites who were brought out of bondage and taken through the desert and put into the new promised land and how they messed that up. And in Deuteronomy chapter 28, the writer says, here's what's going to happen to you because you didn't do what God wanted you to do. And it's interesting the way that it is put out there. Chapter 28, verse 47. The writer is, is pronouncing God's curse upon these people that behave this way. Because you did not serve the Lord your God, and if you're reading, you can read with me. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. Therefore you shall serve your enemies. They're going to take you over. Your enemies. The people that you were supposed to overcome. I promised you you would overcome them. If you kept my word and were faithful to me and dedicated yourself to me and followed my commandments. But you didn't do that. You didn't do it. Not only did you not do it, you did not do it joyfully and with gladness of heart. A 
And so things are not going to go particularly well for you. Now the implication is it can be fixed, right? By doing what? By serving the Lord your God with joy and fullness and gladness of heart. So I had to take a good hard look at myself. Am I, am I being Debbie Downer depressed of me because I've got all these things that are just banging me on the head right now? Am I still being joyful? Am I still trying to show the peace, joy, and love that I got in my fruit basket? Am I using it or am I just leaving it there for another day when I feel more like it? And then I came to David. Flip over really quickly to Psalm 27. Psalms is easy to find. It's in the middle. Psalm 27. And verse 6. Things have been bad for David. He's been hiding in a cave. His son has tried to kill him. His people are deserting him. <coughs> now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of blood, dead animals, hard work. What? Those three little letters again. What does God require of you? Joy. I will offer, and notice that joy is a sacrifice. Joy is, a, it's not easy being joyful. Kermit used to say, it's not easy being green. Even though green is what you're supposed to be. I haven't even remembered Muppet Show. Kermit playing the banjo, sitting in the swamp. It's not easy being green. People misunderstand you. I don't know, I've never been green. But sometimes, my dear brother and sister, it's hard to be joyful. It's hard to be joyful sometimes. It is a sacrifice. You have to work at it. It costs you something to be joyful. I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Flip over to Jeremiah. Keep going. We're, we're, we're going sequentially. Flip over to Jeremiah. Jeremiah is my favorite book of the Bible as far as when I need a spanking, I go to Jeremiah. Chapter 32 and verse 41. If you are being joyful and singing and bringing the sacrifice of joy, the sacrifice of praise, and if you are Giving God with gladness of heart. What, what is he going to do for you? Jeremiah. Chapter 32 verse 41. 
Yes. First of all, God says yes to you. I will rejoice over them to do them good. And I will assuredly plant them in this land with a little bit of manure and a little bit of fertilizer. What does it say? All my heart. With all my heart. And then he says something else. With all my soul. <clears throat> he will plant us in the land with his heart. I've reached the land of corn and wine. And all its riches fully mine. There shines a bright, unfettered day. Oh, Beulah land, sweet Beulah land. And on thy distant shores I see glories reserved for me. And he's going to plant me in that land to grow and to flourish and to bloom. With all of his heart and with all of his soul. And if that doesn't put a smile in your heart, I don't know, I've given up on your faces. But if that doesn't put a smile in your heart, then there's something wrong with your heart. If you don't know that. If you do not know that he loves you so much that he has promised with all of his heart, with all of his soul, to do good to you and to flourish you and to what? He's going to rejoice over you. As a young Christian, it was the most magnificent moment. And I remember, I remember where I was when I first realized God knew my name. He knew my name. He calls me by my name. I'm not just Christian number 73. I'm Rebecca. I'm Rebecca. He knows me. Flip over toward the back of your Bible for me because I'm looking at the clock and I know I'm running out of time and I've still got like 50 verses to go. First Peter. And that one's a little harder to find. It's near the back. It's a little one. First Peter. Chapter 1, verse 8. How do you let joy break through when you can't see him and you can't feel him? And it seems like he's not there. And if we're absolutely honest, we've all had those moments. And we want to know, where did God go? Why did he desert me now? Why has he turned his back? What did I do that made him leave me? Peter had a lot of those moments with Jesus. He really did. Peter was always putting his foot in it. Or his mouth. One of the two. Sometimes he was putting his foot in his mouth. Peter and I are going to be good friends in eternity. We're going to hang out and go fishing together. Because I just want to talk to him. But 1 Peter, chapter 1, 
verse 8. He's talking about Jesus. Who having not seen, uh, we have to go back. Uh, actually, go back to verse 7 because this is in the middle of the sentence. That the genuineness of your faith be much more precious than gold that perish, perishes though it's tested by fire. May be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. I haven't seen Jesus in my eyes, but I love him. Though now you do not see him, and Peter says it again, even though you can't see him, yet believing, look at the next two words, you rejoice, rejoice with joy inexpressible. There's that word again. It, it's so big you can't, you can't even describe the joy. And this joy is what? Full of glory. Wow. So he's still there, even when we can't see him, even when we can't feel him, even when we're not aware that he's watching us and loving us and rejoicing over us. He's still there. He is still there. Flip over, I don't know, in your Bible, maybe two pages to chapter 4. Still 1 Peter, chapter 4. I'm, I'm coming to an end. Verses 12 and 13. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Life happens. Right? You see, the, you see the bumper sticker, life happens. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with Parasol. Exceeding joy. Joy so much. When we see him, we're not going to be able to contain. I think we're all just going to explode, and then he'll put us back together, and then we're going to explode again, and he's going to put, keep putting us back together for eternity because we can't hold that joy inside. We just can't. It's, it's absolutely impossible. It's too much for us. But sometimes it's easy to forget about it, and it's easy not to find it. So what do you do there? And this is my last reference. And I'm going to ask you to flip back to David's writings in Psalm. Psalm 51. David was the one human on earth that we know that is described as being so close to God that you could see him reflected in God's eyes. The apple, we've talk, I've talked before about that expression, the apple of your eye. It's when you're looking at an apple in the grocery store and you hold it up so you can see what's, and it's reflected in your eye. That's how close David was. And we know the problems David had and how David fell away. Psalm 51, starting with verse 10. 
Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Oh, do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy that you gave me in my basket. And all you have to do is what? Ask. And then what's going to happen? Uphold me by your generous spirit, and then I will teach transgressors your ways. I'll fix myself. I'll do better. And I'll tell them about you. I'll tell them about you and your joy that is not optional. And I will sing praises 